Hello, welcome to Wake Up to the Word, Old Testament Thursday, episode 89, 89, episode 89, that's awesome, we are coming to you deep from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex, <coughs> we are so glad to see you here, oh, gotta get that flush right in there, so... <laughs> Uh, we are brought to you by Barky's RV Rental. Um, we are running Christmas specials, so if you're listening and you want to camp in the local area, we are doing half-price specials, so you can uh, contact us. Go to barkysrv.com, barkyrvrental.com, and uh, shoot me a note. And uh, we're running specials for Christmas. Uh, have some out already, some rentals already, but some good dates for December. You don't have to do over Christmas anytime in December. And we're running a New Year's special for January as well. So December and January, special rates going on just for you people from Wake Up to the Word. So if you're going to visit in the Florida Palm Coast Flagler Beach Flagler County area, anywhere in the surrounding area. We deliver quite a ways away, and uh, we'd love to discount you for Christmas and New Year's. So just give us a call. Barkies RB Rental. Uh, give us, uh, shoot us a line uh, on the website. So we hope you're uh, enjoying the series here. As I said, this is episode 89, and we are being heard in eight. Eight amazing countries, so if you are listening in somewhere other than the United States, go to Wake Up to the Word and drop us a note. We would wakeuptotheword.org and drop us a note. We would love to hear from you. So uh, uh, you can also email us at um, uh, sevenbarksdales at gmail.com. Seven, the number seven, barksdales, plural, at gmail.com. Sevenbarksdales at gmail.com. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. If you're from another country and you're listening to Wake Up to the Word, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Or go to uh, right as you listen, either on Spotify or Apple, and you can comment. Comment right there. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to share it with the other people who listen. We are currently over. Um, uh, 2,200 uh, plays, and uh, we get uh, between four and 5,000 hits every single month, and we're just so happy and thankful, and we, leave, we thank you all so much for listening and tuning in. We love to uh, interact with you, let us know what your thoughts are, what your questions are, and um, we are going to get into the Word of God. We love the Word. It's called Wake Up to the Word because it's a kind of uh, it is a double entendre on the Word, Word. So Wake Up to the Word is Wake Up to the Written Word of God. That's get your eyes in the Word of God. But it's also Wake Up to the Word. Have a revelation about the living Word of God. That is Jesus Christ. And He is everywhere throughout the entire Scripture. We love to talk about that. Actually, that's a big part of our uh, of our teaching today as we go through the Bible um, reading plan. This is a chronological Bible reading plan. I, 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 I don't always take the time to say this, but this is a chronological Bible reading plan. We're trying as hard as, as possible. We're trying to uh, 
be consistent in going through the Bible chronologically. The books laid out in the Bible, if you're new to Scripture, if you're new to the Bible, are not laid out chronologically, in the order of when they happen. They're not laid out that way. They're laid out by writing style. So the first five books of the Old Testament are the law. And then we have some history, and then we have some poetry, and then we have the prophets, major and minor. And then you get into the New Testament. A lot of that is a little more chronological, um, for instance, in the Gospels, and then in Acts. Uh, Then as you get into the books of the Bible, they're sorted not necessarily when they were written or when they were sent, um, but more uh, in uh, who is writing them and who is receiving them. So um, we're trying to do it chronologically. We're trying to read through the Bible chronologically. Um, uh, tomorrow, this week, this week, tomorrow, Friday, uh, we will be doing the last gospel uh, chapter, uh, last gospel episode. It'll be John 20 and 21, but that's tomorrow. Uh, today our reading is in Second uh, Samuel. Uh, we're going to read 13 and 14, and then in First Chronicles, which uh, we're going to go through 21 through 27, and there's a lot packed into that, those First Chronicles stuff. So uh, the Second Samuel uh, 13 and 14, we're going to share with you a little bit. One thing I have not done uh, much of, and I uh, kind of am feeling God's pressure on that, um, because I like to get right into the Word, is I'm just going to say a quick prayer before we get into the Word. Lord, illuminate your Word and uh, light up the hearts of the people who are listening, Lord. Let them hear it, let them receive it, and Lord, uh, help us to share truth uh, from your Word. And um, it's great to share opinion, Lord, but we want to share truth. And so uh, uh, we just uh, thank you for your word and the uh, this opportunity to share it. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, amen. All right, let's get into the word of God. Um, let's get ready to rumble! All right, so we... So uh, my my cup is Jeff's stack of stuff, if you can see that. We got that going on right there. I don't have anything for you in Jeff's stack of stuff today, but always go back and look at Jeff's stack of stuff. There's some great stuff in there. Um, I try to label as much as possible. That's at wakeuptotheword.org, and uh, so you can go to Jeff's stack of stuff and look up some of the things, some of the the, uh, material, resource material that I... um, uh, just a reference and uh, give you an opportunity to connect it to it as well. So Second um, <clears throat> Samuel 13 and 14, we got Amnon and Tamar. And uh, Amnon, uh, not a good, not a good guy. Um, he lets his flesh get the better of him. And he has a friend who uh, is not good as well. Helps him plot this. Tamar is his, basically his half-sister... Uh, what does it say? Uh, now Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her, and Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister, Tamar. So <clears throat> it's technically his sister, it's technically his half-sister, because Absalom is his, is his brother. Amnon, is da- they're both David's sons, apparently by potentially different moms, and Absalom has a sister named Tamar, so it's probably his full sister, but it's Amnon's half-sister. 
Okay? So, um, yeah. Okay, she, she wasn't married. She was a virgin, it says, and but he was uh, lusting for her. And his buddy, uh, uh, Jonabad, uh, Jonadab, should be Jonabad, because he's Jonabad. Um, should, oh, it's not too funny, but... Uh, no, not funny. That's, that's the button I wanted. <laughs> um, but, uh, so he loved Tamar. He thought he loved her. He actually lusted after her and wanted her. And so he, um, the plan was send for her, pretend you're sick, send for her to care for you while you're sick and to feed you. And uh, while that's happening, he grabs onto her. He's too strong. She can't uh, stay away from him. And essentially he rapes her. And uh, this uh, gets back to the king. And he is not happy about this. And... Um, so Absalom then murders, this is at the, towards the end of 13, he murders Amnon. Uh, he, had, he, he consorts against him. Absalom pressed him uh, until he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Then Absalom commanded his servants, mark when Amnon's heart is merry with wine. So they're having a little party, is merry with wine. And when I say to you, strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not fear, I have I have I not commanded you. Be courageous and be valiant. So they did what he said, and they killed Amnon um, for the despicable thing that he does. Does and Absalom flees to Geshur, and he, he returns to Jerusalem in fourteen. And um, so, uh, what what we're uh, what happens from that is that uh, Tamar, and I think we'll get to that, so I may hold off on that. Um, I, I know it's in here somewhere, but anyways, uh, the story of Tamar comes up again, not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, in the genealogy of Jesus. So that is an important distinction. And as that unfolds itself, we'll speak more into that. So let's move over to First uh, Chronicles. <clears throat> and um, starting at, where am I starting? Uh, 21. There's some cool stuff going on here. David's getting on in years. <clears throat> Uh, and David wants a census. Now I'm going to speak into this as a pastor. Because the very first line in, in verse 20, uh, chapter 22, the very first line in chapter 22, David stood against Israel and, uh, excuse me, then Satan or Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. Why is it so bad to count the people? Okay, lots of people <clears throat> comes up with a number, um, and I think as pastors we get caught up in in this as well. Uh, one of the very first questions I get asked so often, uh, talking with other pastors, not just pastors but friends and family, uh, they know I'm a pastor. And how's the church doing? What kind of attendance do you get? And um, 
So, you know, I, I, I tell them, I give them a general range because we always have a range. But um, that number is an interesting number. And there's two ways to look at this. It, it, it's good to understand that your church is healthy and people are, are attending. And just like David is interested in the number, that his, his that Israel is growing and they're a healthy nation and uh, they keep uh, multiplying. And the same thing with a church, God's people. And that's what David's talking about, God's people. So we're talking in general about God's people and the leading of God's people. Same thing with a pastor, talking about God's people and the leading of God's people. And we can take these all these chapters uh, that we're going to talk through, 21 through 27, and I'm going to apply this uh, in today's culture and uh, what God is trying to tell us here. And so, um, or what I believe God's trying to tell us, what I see in, in, these, in these pages, in these chapters, that I can pull out of this for God's people today. So, <clears throat> here's the deal. David's told not to count the people, but it says the Satan, and I say that intentionally because that is actually would be the Hebrew word, the Satan, uh, because it is a title not, that's a whole nother, whole nother bunny trail. It's a title, not his name, the Satan. The Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number the people because he's the adversary. He's the contrarian. Um, so... Uh, he's trying to get God's people to do the opposite. He's trying to incite us to do to go against the will of God, to go against what God has told us. God told David not to count the people, but the Satan incited him to do exactly that. Why? Because he wanted David to grab a hold of that pride that comes when you see that your leadership, your leadership, is being is successful your leadership is successful and so as you look at the the very beginning of this david's census brings pestilence god didn't want him to count them because he knew it would cause pride and he knew he would look at it in a selfish way that's exactly what happens with pastors look at all the people that i've grown brought to my church no you didn't bring them, okay? God brought the people. God brought the people. It's your assignment and your job to take all those people, each one singularly being important. So, so knowing each one is important is way more important than knowing how many there are. I'm not opposed to knowing how many there are. I'm not opposed to knowing the people. But what I am opposed to is consistently being obsessed with the number. Okay, um, God will increase the people in a healthy church. That's just the way it is. And that's what the kind of the whole rest of this chapter talks about. The whole rest of these chapters talks about. So uh, in a very generic, principled way. Um, so uh, he, he, he went against it and, uh, and, and he counted the people and then uh, Joab said, Joab called him on it, and he says in verse 3, boy, I'm really moving along here, right? I got, um, in, um, may the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not my Lord, 
are are they not my lord the king all of them my lord's servants when they should when they should when why then should my lord require this why should it be because of the guilty of guilt of Israel but the king's words prevailed against Joab so Joab departed and went through all of Israel and came back to Jerusalem Joab gave the sum of the number <clears throat> and the number was high you know 1.1 million men and uh who drew swords who were uh in the military and uh, 470,000 uh from Judah so we're talking about uh, you know 1.5 million here on one point almost 1.6 um but then but God was displeased verse 7 God was displeased with this thing and he struck Israel so so pestilence came the Lord sent pestilence verse 14 and 70,000 men of Israel fell God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it but as he was about to destroy it the Lord saw and he relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord, going to talk about that, angel of the Lord was standing at the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven. And in his hand, a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell on their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who gave command to number the people? It is I who have sinned and done great evil. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house. But do not let the plague be on your people. So David repented and uh, before God, and the angel of the Lord. Now, this this is uh, a very similar terminology to Exodus 12, uh, the destroyer. You saw the terminology there, um, the destroyer <coughs> who came in, the one working destruction, the destroyer, the angel who's working destruction, and then it is then it is described in verse... 15 no 16 16 the angel of the lord the angel of the lord this is one of those terms that we hear often that is actually a term for pre-incarnate jesus christ jesus in the old testament there are terms that that are in there in the Bible, several terms for Jesus, and we're actually going to talk about this next Wednesday on Wednesday night because it's actually part of Hebrews, uh, uh, an Old Testament connection from Hebrews uh, that we're going to talk about Sunday, but we're not going to get into the details because we don't have time on Sunday. But next Wednesday, we're going to unpack uh, some of these terms of Jesus throughout the Old Testament, the pre-incarnate Christ through in the Old Testament, and we're going to pull some of these out as part of our digging deeper study on Wednesday night. But for right now, this is one of those terms. The angel of the Lord was standing between the earth and heaven. So David's going to build an altar. The angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David, because he's not, he's mad at David, he's not talking to him. Um, he had, uh, uh, he said, uh, commanded Gad to say to David, um, 
You should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Orn in the Jebusite. That's where the battle stopped. And, and the angel of the Lord is standing there with his sword out. Okay, And as we come through these passages, uh, he turns and... Uh, so so uh, David went up to get... Um, up at Gad's word, which he spoke to him, uh, spoken in the name of the in the name of the Lord, spoke to him, and uh, uh, now Ornan was threshing wheat. This the, the scene changes; it goes to where Ornan is. He turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. So yeah, they did. They see the angel of the Lord. They see Jesus Christ standing there with a sword in his hand. Uh, yeah, they hid themselves. I would have hid myself too. Might have, might have soiled myself. I don't know. That's <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do. We'll do that again in the background. So <laughs> sorry about that. Um, but uh, I will not. Uh, so it it goes through here, and and Ornan says, oh, "I just give it to you. You just you just take the whole thing. Take take. All, I'll even throw in the animals." I'll, I'll give you everything. And David says, no, I'm not going to do that. We're going to pay fair price uh, for this. So he pays for everything. He takes what he gives him, but he pays him for it. Make sure he has uh, uh, remuneration for it. He pays him uh, lots, of, lots, of, lots of money for that full price and um, doesn't, doesn't jip him. And so then the bird, then the Lord, uh, let's see, and David built an altar to the Lord and, and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar and burnt the offering. Then the Lord commanded the angel and he put his sword back into his sheath. Okay, we got several things going on here um, that might lead to some confusion and that's important to stop take a little break and look at that so the lord commanded the angel of the lord um th this does not confuse uh the old testament reader the ancient hebrew eyes because there is there throughout the old testament <clears throat> and and current hebrews current jews uh do not recognize this as readily as ancient Jews did. Uh, there's books written about it. Uh, scholars wrote about it. The two Yahwehs, uh, they were very much aware that Yahweh revealed himself uh, in, a, in a physical form to people. And they used several different terms, which we're going to talk about Wednesday night. One of them is the angel of the Lord, the Malek uh, Yahweh, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord. And they knew that this was Yahweh. And they also knew that there was an invisible Yahweh that they did not see. That was uh, basically on the throne room of God. And so they were not surprised when these two communicated with each other because they, they understood this dichotomy of the Godhead. They as yet did not add the Holy Spirit into that realm yet because that's kind of a new revelation, a new covenant revelation. Although the Holy Spirit still functioned here, he functioned very differently. And so, <clears throat> um, so this is what's going on here. And so uh, as we come to the end of this chapter, for the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses had made in the wilderness and the altar of burnt offerings were at that time in the high place of Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid of the sword of the angel of the Lord. 
And David said, Here shall the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So they, they made the place, they found the place, and um, now David is going to prepare to build the temple there. But David got a command <clears throat> that he couldn't do it, okay? And he tells Solomon, this is uh, verse chapter 22, verse 5. For David said, Solomon, my son, my son is young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout our land. So he goes, let's see, uh, where is the... So he charges Solomon. We keep going down. Then he called, this is verse 6, then he called for Solomon. And Solomon's name, I've said this before, but I'll tell you, the Hebrew pronunciation of these particular Hebrew letters is not Solomon. So if you say it in English, you may have heard this, this word in Hebrew uh, cultures and circles, Shlomo. That would be his name, Shlomo. He called for Shlomo, his son, and charged him. It doesn't sound as elegant as Solomon, does it? Shlomo doesn't really lend itself to that brilliant uh, wisdom, man of wisdom. Uh, but that's that's what it is. Charged him to build a house for the Lord. In God of Israel, David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house to the name of the Lord, my God. But the word of the Lord came to me. There's the other one. We have the angel of the Lord. We have the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have waged great war. You shall not build my, build a house to my name because you have shed so much blood before me on the earth. Behold, a son shall be born to you, shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. So <clears throat> the word of the Lord comes, and he talks like a father. He talks like the, the, the father the father God, uh, because they're synonymous. They're one and the same. They're, they're two presentations of the same God. Um, so uh, Solomon, Shlomo, is going to build the temple. And uh, David organizes everything for him. David organizes the Levites. And uh, here's, here's where we get started for the pastoral um, organization. So we, a lot of people look at churches and they get upset with uh, the organization or the structure or the teams or the committees. I'm not, not a big fan of that uh, word. Um, but <clears throat> but uh, when you're dealing with God's people... In any kind of number, <clears throat> organizing leaders for those people is of the utmost importance. Um, without leadership, without vision, the people perish. That's just, without vision, the people perish is the scripture verse. Without leaders, they, they're, they're sheep without shepherds. So um, we, 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 we look at that and we see what God is doing. And so uh, in 23, he starts to organize all of these people. And you see some of the numbers that uh, he organizes. 6,000 shall be officers and judges. 4,000 shall be gatekeepers. And 4,000 shall, shall offer praise to the Lord with instruments that I have made for praise. Now that's David laying that out. And then 
<clears throat> if you go to uh, the next portion, 24, 25, 26, and 27, you'll see how this all lays out. So David organizes the priests. So these are the leaders. These are the, these are the pastors. These are the leaders. These are the shepherds. These are the ones that are going to be organized within the body. So there's leadership. Now remember, we're talking about, you know, a couple of million, three million people because the counting was just men. So there's, you know, there's at least a woman for each man and because um, lots of men die in battle. So there's probably more than one woman per man. So if we're at 1.57 million men, we're at least at that number for women. So we're, we're at at least 3 million, potentially 4 million people that need to be led here. So we got 6,000 leaders, priests and leaders. There's 6,000 of them to lead the people of God. And uh, so it talks about all them in all their uh, um, organization. Did I not hit the record button? I don't think I did. I th no, I did. Oh, good. Phew, because I did a lot of talking already. Um, so David uh, then organizes the musicians. And if you're in any kind of church culture, if we want to take this into today's culture, like I did with the priests, these are the leaders and the pastors and the shepherds, elders, that you can equate that with that. And so now we have musicians and... Uh, so we can equate that with a, with a praise team, with a worship team, with a choir, with all of those things that lead worship. And that's important. It's an organ, a part of what God's people do, okay? And now we have this division of gatekeepers. The worshipers were, by the way, the number was 4,000 um, 4, for praise and worship. So we had 4,000 that were singers and musicians and, and uh, all of that. So th these were organized so there would always be worship in God's house, okay? And then there's the division of gatekeepers. And you say gatekeepers, what do we need gatekeepers? Do you have a greeting team at your at your church, in your service, your people, do you have, uh, sometimes we refer to it as guest services at, at our church, uh, but there's greeters. We have people who are welcoming people in. These are the gatekeepers. They're always greeting people as they come into the temple area. And there were 4,000 of them. How's that for a team? <clears throat> you got that team greeting people. But remember, we're, we're three to four million people. So there's a lot, there's shifts, there's different people going on, but there's always someone to welcome them in, always someone to greet them, always someone keeping the gate, always somebody to be there to direct, to show, to point to all the different areas to go. Then we have uh, this isn't mentioned in the original thing, but we have treasury treasurers and other officials. These are people. We have a finance team at Life Coast, and this would be equated to that. These are people gifted in making sure that everything is accounted for. There's accountability. It's not just the king sitting with his pile of money. It's not just the priests who are taking everything. There are people who are holding everyone accountable. They, they they keep track of all of that. 
We have that at our church. If you don't have it at your church, you should have it at your church. Um, then the military division. Now, how does this fit in? We have a safety and security team at Life Coast. It's helping to keep people safe. Now, we don't have enemies on all sides, but we, we do want to keep people safe. And so we have that kind of a team at our church. Lots of churches have them these days with the evil that is going on in the world. So there are safety. and We may not even see them, but we have them. Um, and then, then it goes on to talk about the leaders of the tribes. And these would be more like family leaders. You have, you have leaders of families that are in your church and that's what they have here. And so the families are obviously the tribes of Judah and, uh, they have the leaders of the tribe uh, tribes, um, and, and they have military divisions within that. And so, uh, there's, there's lots of those. Well, as far as the numbers of the, the military divisions, they have 24,000 from each family. So it's 288,000 uh, security people to make sure that everything stays the way it's supposed to be, the military for David. Uh, so <clears throat> we try to keep our the people safe. So... Um, but organization is what's necessary it's needed and when you when you when you have growth it's not so much important the numbers but understanding that each number each person is is important part of god's family and whether they're saved or they're not saved if they're coming into the house then they are important because they are a person seeking after god and god wants to meet them there so we want to Make sure that our house is prepared and organized to help those people walk through and that they have opportunity, that they have opportunity to come before the Lord and turn their heart over to him and then grow in their faith and knowledge of God. So that's what we got for today. We're so glad that you joined us at Wake Up to the Word. Come back tomorrow for New Testament final, final episode for the Gospels. So I uh, love you guys. So glad you joined us. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. I'll be back.